are listening to Radio Maria and this is Father Toby with your word for today on this memorial of the Dominican uh, Polar Saint, St. Hyacinth. And let's begin with today's gospel, which is taken from Matthew chapter 18 and 19. Peter went up to Jesus and said, Lord, how often must I forgive my brother if he wrongs me? As often as seven times? Jesus answered, Not seven, I tell you, but seventy-seven times. And so the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who decided to settle his accounts with his servants. When the reckoning began, they brought him a man who owed ten thousand talents, but he had no means of paying. So his master gave orders that he should be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, to meet the debt. At this the servant threw himself down at his master's feet. Give me time, he said, and I will pay the whole sum. And the servant's master felt so sorry for him that he let him go and cancelled the debt. Now as this servant went out, he happened to meet a fellow servant who owed him one hundred denarii, and he seized him by the throat and began to throttle him. Pay what you owe me, he said. His fellow servant fell at his feet and implored him, saying, Give me time and I will pay you. But the other would not agree. On the contrary, he had him thrown into prison till he should pay the debt. His fellow servants were deeply distressed when they saw what had happened. And they went to their master and reported the whole affair to him. Then the master sent for him. You wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all that debt of yours when you appealed to me. Were you not bound then to have pity on your fellow servant, just as I had had pity on you? And in his anger the master handed him over to the torturers till he should pay all his debt. That is how my heavenly Father will deal with you unless you each forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus had now finished what he wanted to say, and he left Galilee and came into the part of Judea, which is on the far side of the Jordan. Unless you only started listening to Word for Today yesterday, you're probably aware by now that I am a little bit obsessed with C.S. Lewis at the moment. And it's not just the writings that fascinate me, but the man himself. And if you get interested in Lewis the man, you have to get interested in Tolkien too because their friendship had such a deep, deep impact on each of them. I'd really recommend, in fact, reading something about the friendship between Lewis and Tolkien and the Inklings more generally, as this was a group of friends who took friendship really seriously, who realised the importance of friendship and then were really intentional about it, with scheduled times to meet for tea, for something stronger, and also a big focus on going walking together. Reading about the friendship of Lewis and Tolkien has now taken me to reading Tolkien's writing again, including some I'd not looked at before, as well as some of the secondary literature about his writing, on which note I'm pleased to say that Dr. Holly Ordway, author of a new biography which takes Tolkien's Catholic conversion and faith really seriously, will be speaking about him on the radio on Sunday the 10th of September at 2pm. I'm just starting her new biography of Tolkien, and it is wonderful. She takes seriously the impact of his faith on his fiction. Another book I have nearly finished, 
which I cannot recommend highly enough for Lord of the Rings fans, is Craig Bernthal's Tolkien Sacramental Vision, Discerning the Holy in Middle-Earth. It's fabulous, and it's given me a much greater appreciation of the brilliance of Tolkien and the world he was inspired to create. I remember the last time I mentioned The Lord of the Rings in a homily, I was speaking about the book and film Silence, and reflecting on how the Jesuit priest Rodriguez ultimately succumbs to the Japanese torture and apostatizes renouncing Christ. And I said that whilst tragic, it doesn't negate all the good that he did prior to his renunciation. And it was in this context that I mentioned Frodo, hero of the Lord of the Rings, who, it is easy to forget, does ultimately succumb to the evil of the ring at the moment he is supposed to throw it into the fires of Mount Doom, where it might be destroyed. For those who don't remember Frodo's journey, his heroic journey with Sam, his trustworthy and good friend, without whom he would have never made it to Mount Doom, but also with Gollum, who has been corrupted and rendered less than human by his love for the evil ring. At the point where Frodo must destroy the ring, he cannot bring himself to do so. He places the ring on his finger instead, but is then leapt upon by Gollum, who wrestles him, eventually biting Frodo's finger off along with the ring, before then in the tussle falling into the fires of Mount Doom, rendering Frodo and Sam's quest successful, despite Frodo's failure in the moment. And what I had not thought about before reading Bernthal's book was why Gollum was still there with them to unwittingly save the day, just as it seems Frodo will fail, in the type of ending which Tolkien described as a catastrophe. Because on one level you can think that Gollum was still with Frodo and Sam because they needed him to show the way. And that is true, but it's not the whole answer. On another perhaps more important level, Gollum is only still there because of Frodo's forgiveness of Gollum. Not once, not twice, but again and again and again. It is not Gollum who saves the day, not intentionally anyway. Gollum only wants the ring for himself. There is no virtue in his descent into the fire with it. He is not sacrificing himself intentionally. It is Frodo's forgiveness that finally saves the day. The whole time in their epic saga, we may have been focusing on the courage and friendship of Sam and Frodo, the love between them as they journey to Mordor. And these are crucial, but Frodo's forgiveness again and again of Gollum is essential. When Frodo's will gives out and Gollum has to bite off Frodo's finger to get the ring, Tolkien in one of his letters tells us, At this point the salvation of the world and Frodo's own salvation is achieved by his previous pity and forgiveness of injury. At any point, any prudent person would have told Frodo that Gollum would certainly betray him and could rob him in the end. To pity him, to forbear to kill him, all those times previously when he might have deserved it, was a piece of folly or a mystical belief in the ultimate value in itself of pity and generosity, even if disastrous in the world of time. Gollum did rob him and injure him in the end. But by a grace, that last betrayal was at a precise juncture 
when the final evil deed was the most beneficial thing that anyone could have done for Frodo. By a situation created by his forgiveness, he was saved himself and relieved of his burden. People often say to me, why should I forgive them, Father, when they're not really sorry? And it's understandable, but it's not the point of forgiveness. We should forgive them not because they deserve it, not because it will get them into heaven. Our forgiveness does not have such transformative power. We should forgive them because Jesus tells us and because forgiving sets us free. Forgiveness liberates us from our foes. Anger, bitterness and resentment tie us to them and give them power over us. Without forgiveness, Frodo would have never been set free from the evil that he was tasked with destroying. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That is freedom. There is no other way. You've been listening to a podcast from Radio Maria. If you enjoy these programs, please consider becoming one of our monthly donors. All you need to do is visit www.radiomariaengland.uk and click on the Support Us tab for various options. We rely entirely on donations, so thank you to all our listeners who support us.